glad each and every one of you are here today. If you have your Bibles and you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians, dismissing the children, I'm sorry, I forgot. Children, you're dismissed at this time. All right. I got you, man. I'd rather go there than here. I This is Labor Day weekend, and um, Labor Day was first observed on a Tuesday, September the 5th, 1882, in New York City. By 1894, so two years later, 23 states had adopted Labor Day as a holiday. On June the 28th, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday. It is a day set aside to honor and celebrate the American workforce, a day to say thank you for all the work that you do to keep America running and growing into the future. That's what Labor Day is. It's just a day to say Thank you to the workforce. Thank you to all of those who work so hard and do all of the things that, that are done in order to keep America growing and moving and, and functioning day by day, week by week, month by month, and year after year. Well, in the Scripture, Paul addresses the importance of spiritual labor in our passage this morning. Spiritual labor is a part of God's plan, and, uh, and it's for every believer, and we are to labor for the Lord. But what does that mean? What, what is spiritual labor? What all does it entail? What does it look like for you and I? Well, let's look at our passage this morning in 1 Corinthians and, uh, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and let's see what it says. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, <coughs> excuse me, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife, and division among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am a Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now, <coughs> excuse me, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. That last verse right there, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's 
building. He is working through us to accomplish His will. And we are to allow Him to work in our lives to accomplish His will. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. We're familiar with this passage of Scripture. It says this, Jesus speaking to His disciples, and He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, or the laborers, are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, or laborers, into His harvest. You see, God's kingdom is dependent upon laborers. It's dependent upon workers, and those workers are you and I. He has called us to be servants, to be laborers, to be workers in His kingdom. And notice what this passage says. The harvest is great. There are plenty of people out there who who need to be harvested into the kingdom. He said, what I need are more laborers. I need more workers. I need more people who will engage in sharing with others the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that that harvest field might be brought into the family of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Listen to what it says. For we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. Listen to this description. Your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, laboring in and for the kingdom involves our faith, trusting in the Lord. How many times have you heard someone, or maybe even said yourself, "Well, I, I can't talk to people about the gospel. I, I just—that's I, not me. I, I'm not. I don't have an outgoing personality. I, I can't say anything to someone else about the Lord." He says, listen, you need to have a a work of faith. In other words, I need to say, I trust in the Lord, I believe in the Lord. I can't do that of my own power, of my own initiative. But if I allow Him to work in me, I could do that. If I allow the Lord to speak through me, then I could accomplish that. Notice what he says, involves our faith and trust in the Lord our actions born out of love. He said, a labor of love. That means that we do something, that we are motivated, that our actions, that we commit an action, and it is motivated out of love. A labor of love. How many times have you heard someone use that term? Oh, oh it was a labor of love. I, I just enjoyed doing that. It was a, it was a blessing. It was satisfying. It was fulfilling. It, it was a labor of love. Something that I am willing to do as a response of the love that I have. And that could be for someone or something uh, or some place. And we see people who work tirelessly because of their love or devotion to someone or something. And, uh, and so he says, we need to have a labor of love. Our hope in the future has prepared and our willingness to share all that that we know with others. So we think about it. He says, this is what it means to be a laborer. It means to take the message that you've received, the, the, the grace and love and forgiveness of God, the mercy that He's extended to us, and all that you have in the hope of eternity in the kingdom of God, and be willing to share that with others. 
Now, we know there are a lot of ways that we share that with others, and we talk about that from time to time. One of the ways we do that is by supporting missionaries who go into foreign fields, and they take the message. And, and that's great that we can, can share our financial success and blessings that we receive so that others might go and not have to worry about working and laboring at a job. And they can go and they can minister to other people and share with them the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's fantastic. And, and we are laboring when we do that. We've taken what we've been blessed with and use it to bless someone else. But there's also a laboring of love that calls us to work in the kingdom of God ourselves. That causes us to say, you know what, I don't have every answer. I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. I know that God loves me. I know that Jesus died for me. And I know that His sacrifice saves me from my sin. And that if I accept Him as my Lord and Master and make Him ruler of my life, then I have the hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven. Every one of us can share that message. It's a simple message, but it's a powerful message. Every one of us can tell someone else, because of our salvation, how they can be saved as well. How they can understand the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But in our passage this morning, there are three things that I want us to learn about how we become laborers or workers in the kingdom of God. The first one is this, is the product of spiritual maturity. We just can't become a, a laborer or, or be effective in the kingdom of God immediately. He says there has to be a, a level of maturity. And Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, listen, he, he said, you're not able to receive the full meat of the word yet. In other words, you're still too spiritually immature. And in your spiritual immaturity, you're not prepared. He said, in fact, you're too weak. To receive the truth, I have to give you the milk of the word because the meat of the word is too much for you. And so we have to understand there's a level of maturity that needs to be reached in regards to becoming a servant in the kingdom of God. Uh, when I am training or working with someone, one of the things is that I always tell them we need to go through a process. And the process is this I tell you what I want you to do, then I show you how to do it. Then I watch you do it, and then I turn you loose to do it. And so there's four steps. The first thing is, let me inform you exactly, let me describe for you, communicate to you exactly what I want you to do. Then let me show you how to do it. You observe, you watch, this is how the task is accomplished. Then I'm going to watch you do it. Let's see how well you do at the task that I've just demonstrated to you. And then fourthly, I'm going to let you go do it. I'm going to give you the, the ability to go do what it is that I expect you to do. Well, the same thing's true in the kingdom of God. He says you need to reach a level of spiritual maturity in order to be effective at laboring in the kingdom of God. And he said, you guys aren't there yet when he was talking to the church at Corinth. He said, you should, should have received the meat of the word by now. But he said, you're just still mature enough for the milk. He said, so I'm giving you the milk of the word because you're too weak for the task that is ahead of you. We've got to mature you a little bit. We've got to grow you up. The second thing we, we understand about that spiritual maturity is that they are too self-centered. It becomes too much focused on themselves and, and what they want and what they need versus on the kingdom of God 
and the needs of others. Let's go back and look at that again as we go through that passage. And he said this in verse 2. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife and division among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? He said, if you were spiritually mature, then he said, this jealousy, this strife, this division that exists among you, he said, it wouldn't be there. But because you are spiritually immature, you are still self-centered. You want what you want. You want what you think is best. And you would rather have that than be willing to help someone else in their journey. And so he said, there's this jealousy that's going on. There's this strife that's happening between you. There's a division that's taking place. And he said, the reason that those things are happening is because you're still self-centered. You're still focused selfishly on yourself and what you want and what you think is best for you instead of thinking about the needs of others. And he said, that comes with maturity. And you're still spiritually immature. And you can't labor effectively when you're spiritually immature. Why is that? Well, because if I try to labor and I'm spiritually immature, I'm selfish. I think about what I want. Well, I don't want to go do that. That's, that takes too much of my time. Well, I don't want to commit to that. Those people, listen, they made their decisions. They made their bed. They can lay in it. Why am I going to spend my time trying to help them when they don't want to be helped? Make all kinds of excuses, don't we? But really, the reality is it's because we're still selfish. We're still self-centered. We're still focused on what we want and what we think is best for us instead of thinking about the needs of others. And then thirdly is, is that they're too preoccupied. You hear what he said? He said, well, some of you say you're of Paul and some of you say you're of Apollos. They're preoccupied with the ones who brought them the message. And so they're caught up in, oh, man, they're so wonderful. They're so great. They're, they're so incredible. And, and he said, you're preoccupied with people, mere men, he said, instead of with God. And so rather than saying you're a part of the family of God, you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm a part of Paul. I'm a part of Apollos. And he said, what are they? They didn't save you. They didn't die for you. They didn't give you grace and mercy and forgiveness. Well, why are you so preoccupied with them? And we do that. We do that still today. We see people who, who get all caught up in a leader. And, and they're more focused on that leader than they are on God. They're more committed to that leader than they are to, to God's Word or to the truth of the Scriptures. And they get preoccupied with those kinds of things versus simply turning their heart over. And he said that's spiritual immaturity. He said when people are, are so weak, when people are so self-centered and selfish, when people are so preoccupied with, with someone or something else other than God and His salvation, he said that's spiritual immaturity. And he says, when you're spiritually immature, you don't have the ability or the strength to labor in the kingdom like God needs you to and desires for you to do. Second thing, he says this, proof of spiritual relationship. In verses 5 through 7, through labor you were brought to Jesus. Did you notice that? He talked about Paul himself, who writes the book of, of 1 Corinthians, and, and Apollos, their servants who brought the message. They were people who brought to them the message they needed in order to be saved. 
And so he said they were in a relationship and they had a maturity that they could deliver the message that brought salvation to you. They weren't winning you to them. They were winning you to the Lord. God did the work, not them, and he, but he did the work through them. And that's what he wants to do for us, is, is establish a relationship, a spiritual relationship, and for us to mature to the point that he can now work through us. That we're mature enough that we're not weak. We're mature enough that we're not selfish and self-centered. We're mature enough that we're not preoccupied with people and things of this world. And in our relationship with him that we grow and mature and we become strong enough that he can work in us and he can work through us because we've put those immature things aside. We've removed those things out of our life. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, For it is God who is at work in you. It is God who's at work in you. He said, it's not you. He said, put you out of the way. Let God go to work. It's God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God works in us if we will allow Him to. But the problem is, we we stay weak, we stay selfish and self-centered, we stay immature, and in our immaturity, we don't allow God to go to work. And we have to grow up a little bit in our relationship with Him, and when we do, then He says, I can go to work in you. And I can work in you, changing you and helping you to continue to grow and mature and develop and be stronger. He said, and I can work through you to share my message with others. It's a relationship that we have to share, and it says to work for his good pleasure. In other words, what pleases him, not what pleases us. Third thing is this, the process of spiritual operation in verses 8 and 9. God works in and through spiritually mature people. Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labored. Striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. He defines as he writes to the church at Philippi the process or the operation. And he said, I surrendered my heart to God, and God went to work in me. He went to work to give me his hope. He went to work to give me his grace. He went to work to give me his strength. And he said, I labor, striving according to his power. Not in my own power. Not in my own ability. Not in my own talents or or gifts or whatever it might be. It's in his power. Which, he says, by the way, mightily works within me. That God can go to work and use us to share his message with the lost world. That we can be laborers in the kingdom of God. That we can be servants and workers in the kingdom of God. And notice what that passage teaches us. We do not have to do it alone. It is His power which mightily works within us. And so He says, I'm not sending you out there to do it alone. I'm going with you. And my power goes with you. And my strength goes with you. And and He says, I give you everything that you need. To accomplish the task that I've given you. 
He will not call us or lead us to something that He does not equip us to be able to do. But to be laborers in the kingdom of God, we need to grow up. We need to be mature. We need to put aside our weakness and our selfishness and our self-centeredness and our preoccupation with people and things. And we need to focus on the kingdom of God. And he goes on in verses 10 and 11, he says this. He said, there's only one foundation. And every one of us become laborers who build on that one foundation. We don't go off over here and let's build this thing and go off over there and build that thing. And, 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 you know, he says, no, no, no. He said, there's only one foundation. And every labor in the kingdom of God builds on that same foundation. Every labor in the kingdom of God contributes to the same building up of the kingdom of God. And if we're not doing that, if we're not contributing to the same building up of the kingdom of God, he he says, "Then, then we're headed down some wrong roads. We're doing some things that we shouldn't do. He said, there's one foundation. And we must build on that foundation, which is, what does he say? Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation. If we want to be laborers in the kingdom of God, if we want to be workers for the kingdom of God, it takes spiritual maturity, it takes devotion, commitment, a labor of love, a faithfulness, a trust in Him, and allowing Him to work in us and through us in order to accomplish His goodwill. Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation here. And perhaps there's a decision in your heart. Anytime we offer an invitation, it's a time for us to make decisions about our life, about our spiritual journey, about our relationship with the Lord. And so let me ask you this morning a simple question. What kind of laborer are you? What kind of worker are you for the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not talking about what you used to do. I'm not talking about years gone by or, or, or whatever you know, time frame. I'm talking about what are we doing for the Lord today? How are we working for Him? Listen, there's no retirement plan for the kingdom of God except for the kingdom of heaven. He calls us to keep working, to keep serving, to keep being laborers, to keep sharing the message with the lost world, to keep helping others to come to know Christ Jesus the Lord and Savior. So what kind of workers are we? What kind of laborers are we in the family of God? If there's a decision on your heart this morning, won't you come as we stand and as we sing?